Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in. Man, I'm excited to have my good friend Larry Broughton on the show today. I love bringing these conversations to you. Larry and I have had multiple conversations on the topic of life and leadership, and uh, he's one of my favorite guys to talk to. He's become a good friend, and he's a great supporter of this show. He's been on a few times. I've worked with Larry and his company, Broughton Hotels, where we've created an internal podcast for him and his team and to um, rousing success. And it was just a joy to have him back on the show. Again, he's an entrepreneur. He's a CEO. He's a best-selling author. He's a former U.S. Army Green Beret. He's highly sought after as a speaker. He's been named Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year. Um, he's been in Entrepreneur Magazine's Hot 500 list. His uh, creative approach to business, to life, his authenticity, his transparency, his vulnerability, again, I think that's what makes him so attractive uh, as a leader as he shares his experiences honestly and openly. And uh, he's been featured on ABC, CBS, MSNBC, CNBC, the Travel Channel. He's got a brand new book out there. It's coming out February 20th. It's called Victory. It's actually a rekindling of a book that he did uh, for veterans quite a few years ago, but he re um, uh, amped it up. Got about 35, 40% new material in there, but seven revolutionary strategies to launch your business, elevate your impact, and transform your life. And uh, he's got a special deal for all of you out there. You can go to his uh, link for this. It's on the post here on doseofleadership.com. But you can go to larrysnewbook.com and you can pre-order the book now for 99 cents. In addition to that, you get three videos, extra content that he couldn't fit into the book. And so it's a great deal. You can order it on Amazon at the regular price, but uh, before the launch on February 20th, if you pre-order it, for 99 cents, you get the book plus three videos. And they're not selly sell videos. Um, I love Larry's stuff. comes with the highest recommendation. And again, he's a, a good personal friend of mine. And uh, I'm excited to see this book. And uh, I'm excited for you to listen to this conversation. It's always a great conversation when Larry and I get together. It's all off the cuff. It's all spontaneous. And I think you're really going to enjoy uh, this episode where we really dive into authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability when it comes to uh, leadership and the warrior ethos too, which I think is uh, something that's misunderstood and misapplied. And it can be a great asset for all of us out there trying to become better leaders. So go to the post on doseofleadership.com and, and check out larrysnewbook.com and you can get all the info about Larry and his new book. This show is brought to you by my online leadership course, Legacy Leader Blueprint. It's a great solution for all of those organizations out there that are trying to introduce the leadership culture to the organization, but they're just finding it tough to find the time or the budget to do get quality leadership training. Well, this is a great solution for you. 20 videos broken up into four modules, five videos in each module, and from leadership fundamentals, leading yourself, leading others, and advanced leadership topics. And in between each module, so four times, not only do you get the videos, but four times you'll get an hour. In between each module, an hour and a half live uh, facilitation group coaching session with me. And so you get that four times. That's over six hours of live group coaching facilitation with me, all for $349 a seat. Quite a bargain. So check out more at doseofleadership.com. Click on the Legacy Leader Blueprint. You can actually watch a video to see what's inside 
the videos or the dashboard for the membership site, and you can get some testimonials from there. And I look forward to seeing you and your team in my next Legacy Leader Blueprint class. All right, here's my good friend, Larry Broughton, here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Larry, so glad to have you back on the show. Welcome back to Dose of Leadership. Wow, Richard, thanks for having me on. I got to tell you, I've been listening to your show again in the car. Um, I got this streaming audio in my car, you know, and right. And by the way, just, you know, the whole daily dose thing. Yeah. Ah, I need that from time to time. And so you've been <laughs> amping me up. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I need it too. It's, it's funny how, um, I don't know, it was weird this last month, you know, when I've been coaching some folks and yeah. listening to uh, other podcasts, we're of course doing uh, interviews like this and everything else. And, and then I find myself not listening to my own advice. I need somebody else to kind of, you know what I mean? Coach me. If well, it's the whole thing, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The, the painter's house is the worst on the, on the block. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. And this is why I go listen to people like you and, you know, some of my other favorites just to like, you know, it's my old, my hashtag is TFTR. Ah, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to be reminded. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, after doing this, I'm going to always be wary of anybody that's that's got it all figured out, right? I mean, he's oh got to stay gosh, up there. You've yeah. got to have some humility about this whole thing because we're all Absolutely. trying to figure it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's how's everything been going with the hotels, with, with your coaching, with your speaking? How's yeah. everything going? Yeah, listen, um, it's very interesting what, what's going on in the market nowadays, you know? Um, there seems to be this optimism that I'm seeing out there, like, right. and not just from a business perspective, but I mean, like, I don't want to get too um, squishy on you here, but there seems to be this energetic shift that's happening with people. And, and yeah. more than ever, I've been hearing people say, wow, 2018 is going to be an amazing year. Yeah, you um, know, I, I, I sense that too. I mean, you know, obviously, as, I, as I'm traveling across the country, both speaking and coaching, but obviously with my job with the airlines, yeah. um, there is a palpable sense. Um, and I don't know, I guess maybe the economy's on an uptick. I mean, the whole thing. But I do think, despite all the chaos that we see in the media and the traditional sense, I do think this is the best time to be alive in the history of the planet. I don't know. I really oh do. Yes, to totally. And the funny thing is there aren't a lot of people in the mainstream media, and I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I mean, it's the truth. I mean, studies have shown this, that aren't talking about this, about the amazing things that are happening around the globe, you know? Yeah. And um, so, and yeah, so it's, it's, I just think that there's great things happening. So the hotel company is, is growing. We just took on a new hotel in Chicago. That's pretty exciting. The coaching stuff, um, Honestly, never been better. And here's the interesting thing. You know, we raised our prices this year. I'm kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit. Raised our prices, really limited who we wanted to be coaching with yeah. this year. And we said, hey, we want to take this up several notches um, and get away from the people who are entrepreneurs. Um, and instead with people who have really proven that they've got the moxie, the grit to grind it out. And I want to work, work with those folks more. And yeah. so we're doing that. Um, it's interesting you brought that up because I had a yeah. conversation with a um, local entrepreneur here, a guy that kind of started his own. Well, he did start his own um, specialized consulting agency. Yeah. And we were talking about that and how there's a lot of buzz, a lot of feedback about entrepreneurship and this. And But if you just look at the at the whole picture of it. There's a lot of people that it's almost like they're attracted to, they're in love with the idea of being yes. 
uh, an entrepreneur, not with the idea of active being an entrepreneur. Same thing yeah. with leadership. People love yeah. the idea of leadership, but they're not so much in love with the act of it. No, you're absolutely right. There aren't enough of us, and I'm going to take some of the heat on this, but I talk about it a lot, so maybe I'm not talking about it enough, is that it is not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. Far, far from it. I mean, if you are a glutton for punishment, you love sacrifice, um, you know, you love the roller coaster ride, then the entrepreneurial path is probably suited for you. If you're willing to really work harder on anything, on this and anything you've ever done in your life, it might be suited for you. But if you're just turned on by the, well, let's, let's be real. I mean, entrepreneurs are kind of the new celebrity class, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And if you're turned on by that when you're not willing to do the hard work, then it's not for you. It's just not. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard and it's going to be challenging. You're going to ruin relationships. You're going to dip into your bank account. But the reward, on the other hand, is better, bigger than anything I've ever seen. And it's not always financial, by the way. It's it's sense of meaning. It's a sense of purpose, right? Um, uh, the sense of serving other people that you just can't put a dollar figure on. Yeah. Now, when when things are aligned, then yes, we can actually create wealth. We can create legacy. We can create impact. We can put our dent in the world. Um, but there just aren't a lot of people and I'm going to put you and I kind of in the same category that when we're coaching, we're giving, you know, my, my thing is that reality is our friend. You and I tend to speak truths to people instead of just selling sick, you know, the snake oil. Yeah. You know, it's been interesting five years and I would even consider, um, and I, I was entrepreneurial before five years ago, and I, but I, I say the launch of this show was really kind of the beginning of the real birth of my entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. Even though, and I would say prior to that, it was is the, the entrepreneur, and yeah. man, I got to tell you, there's, it's, I, how do I say this? There's been more um, sleepless nights, more um, worry, more feeling like I'm on alone on an island than I've ever had before. But at the same time, I've had purpose, satisfaction, um, and a, 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 a drive. And um, a kind of a fire in my belly that I never had prior to that. Does that make sense? It's like uh, it's the yin and yeah, the yang. Absolutely. It's like it's like it's like the yin and the yang concept, right? You can't yeah. you can't you got to have one. You got to have the other. And I yeah. think that's what people have to understand in life. That I think we say, well, I'm going to become an entrepreneur so that my life can be smooth and easy and make time and economic freedom. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but you, you got you can't have the um, the victory without the uh, grit and the grind, right? That's absolutely right. Is why one of my favorite quotes of all time is the you know the man in the arena. Yeah, um, for sure. By Teddy Roosevelt, yeah, right? Yeah. We don't have time to really go into it here, probably. But I would just encourage you know your listeners and followers to just Google "man in the arena" uh, quote, and it talks about that the dirt, the grime, the grit, the blood. Um, but you know, when you do that, and you don't cut, you know. It's, it's not the uh, the person sitting on the sidelines living a life of mediocrity. That's not who you should be listening to. It should be mm -hmm. people that have done it before you. I had a great coach. She's since passed away, but she was actually an acting coach. But she uh -huh. she initially started helping me with the speaking aspect of my business right. probably seven years ago, eight years ago. And I'll never forget. I think I've told this story before on the show, but um, she was really good, really great, and just 
great about leadership, great about life, you know, more than just acting. She was just, yeah. she was really grounded and just, just an amazing human being. And I remember she was working on me on this really big speech that was really pivotal for me and for my business. Really largest crowd up to the date that I had. And I remember I was sitting on the sideline of the stage and she was standing there and I was nervous, had butterflies, you know. Yeah. And she was looked at me right before he's going on. She goes, are you nervous? And my initial Marine in me was like, oh, no, no, I've got this all covered, right? <laughs> so, lies, lies. And I was like, yeah, I really am. And she smiled and she said, now you know you're alive, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I just, I'll never forget that. And I think that's that's kind of the part that we have to realize is that the fear, the uncertainty never goes away. It, the dragons always pop up. It's not about not having dragons pop up. It's about being a dragon slayer. And I think that's the right. difference in the mindset. Yeah. Well, I love that you didn't deny the anxiety in the moment. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that that's what sets high achievers apart from the low performers is that, you know, there's this thing that Napoleon Hill talked about in Think and Grow Rich, and he never really went into detail about it, this whole transmutation of sexual energy, mm -hmm. right? Right. That those people who tend to have a, um, and I'm not talking about the act of sex, so that, though that is part of it. Um, but redirecting that energy into positive stuff. You know, there are some people, I'm just going to get real here for a second. I, I've got friends, men, male friends, who they take all this pent up sexual energy and they just chase women all right. day long. Right. You know, and they get sidetracked and they get distracted uh, by that. And it then does not benefit their life, their family, or their business. But the people that have mastered that, like Napoleon Hill, you mm -hmm. talk about, they take that and they transmute it and they direct it into creative energy. Right. And they control it and they put it into their speaking gigs. When I was teaching martial arts years ago, I used to talk about the whole concept of excess within control. You let that energy bubble up until it's about to boil over. And then through discipline and hard work, you redirect that energy into your technique. Yeah. You know? And I think the same thing is true in the uh, entrepreneurial space. Yeah. I love I it. If that makes sense, or I'm way off track. No, but. no, it makes perfect sense. And you're absolutely right. I remember reading that in uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, which was written, when was that written? Like in the 20s or the 30s? Yeah. 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 And it's so true. Um, I think well, it's, it's one of those timeless things, right? right? And it gets confused because he didn't really go into explaining it. Right. But, you know, it, um, a lot of Eastern religions, a lot of people who study yoga understand this concept. Well, it even goes to the whole point when I talk about, you know, Jim Collins and Good to Great were those level five leaders that he really wasn't looking for it when he wrote that book. But that whole right. chapter on level five leadership, it's right. those people that have that tremendous intensity of will, right? Yeah. This kind of maniacal intensity coupled mm -hmm. with this tremendous almost maniacal sense of humility and a teachable spirit, right? So that's yeah. that's the kind of the yin and yang and the the, the, the powerful leader entrepreneur, someone that is just intense, but they're intense for the greater good, not for the intense of their self-satisfaction and ego. They're intense for whatever they're trying to accomplish, coupled with a, a humble, teachable spirit. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, it, I think it's hard for a lot of us to get our brains around that, Richard, um, because... Ego is a big thing. It's sure. a nasty thing. It can get in our way, you know? Um, and I, I mean, I'm not totally altruistic, you know, I'm not completely selfless, selfless. Oh, yeah, right. Me you know, there are yeah. things that I do, like I serve other people knowing that it helps them, knowing that it's going to come back to me. But the truth is 
I see the benefit in it. And so I'm getting stuff out of it too. Right. You know? And so, and the same thing with humility. I understand that if I walked around being totally arrogant, look at me puffing up my feathers, I'm not going to attract the boldest and brightest. They're going to be repelled by me. Yeah. You know, I was reading a thing about uh, primates, you know, uh, recently. I read the craziest things. <laughs> I was reading an article about rats. I was reading an article about primates that, you know, in the animal kingdom, it's not only like particular pack animals that have an alpha in the pack, right? right? Mm -hmm. The alpha oftentimes are usually is not purely just the strongest, although that's important. They also have to be the ones who let people in. They work with other people. They build other people, animals up. Yeah. Um, and frankly, even during the uh, like rats, for instance, um, they, they enjoy wrestling with each other. The bigger rats will let the smaller rats win from time to time. Right. Think about that yeah. for a second. That's Instead of just grinding them down because they know that if, they, if the rats lose all the time, the smaller rats, they won't come back and try again. Right. And so those tyrannical leaders who never let their team members get a win, are they always grinding them down? That's not good for anybody either. Right. Now, this is where the humility comes in. I don't have to be the one who looks like the winner every single time. Yeah, it's, 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 I think sometimes we look at it's the either or and like, well, <laughs> and I, I was coaching a group of folks and if they're listening and they'll know who I'm talking about, but it was, uh -oh. I, <laughs> but it was very frustrating because I talk about a lot where, um, leadership equals love and yes. people about, they about, I mean, it almost turned into a knockdown argument and they're like, what do you mean? Love has no place in business and no place in the organization about professionalism. I'm like, hold on a second. I'm not talking about the feeling of love. I'm talking about the act of love, the agape type of love, you know, the, yes. the, 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 where someone, like our, if I, I have to sacrifice so that you can prosper, right? I'm laying down my life so others may live type of thing. And mm -hmm. the military gets it. And, and I was like, they're like, no, that's not in love. And I'm like, I cannot believe this. But it just highlights how um, uncomfortable people are with this idea of kind of the combination of the two, right? And yeah. it's like, I got to be this professional. I got to be this stern, strict. But you and I know coming from the military, that was the most loving probably organization you were ever in. When you were in the green... Right. Oh, probably it was yeah. probably the most loving. Yes. Right. Yes. It's so funny. I had this exact conversation last night with somebody last night because she was saying, I don't understand the military. There's so much pent up anger and hatred. And I was like, Oh, whoa, 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 <laughs> right. whoa, whoa. No, you're way off. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to her about this. I said, listen, warriors don't go to war. They don't go to battle. They don't join the military because they hate it's because they love so much. Right. They love their country. They right. love the men and women to their sides, you know, beside them. They love their family so much, they want to protect them. Now, here, here's the thing that I, that I brought up. I, you know, I tend to be pretty wonkish. And, you know, there is, and I, and I heard this recently, that in the Bible, you know, there's just the meek shall inherit the earth, right? And right. I'll just be transparent with your, your listeners. You know, I was very anti-Christian for a long time in my life because I'd never met any Christian men who were, had this warrior ethos. Right. And it's not that there aren't. It's just I didn't meet them, you know? And so when I was hearing things like the meek shall inherit the earth, I was like, but that doesn't make sense because the Jesus that I read about as the person was this rebel. He was a right? warrior. Yeah. And how can we be talking about the meek shall inherit the earth? I don't, I don't understand it. Well, the, you know what the real translation of that passage is? Uh -uh. 
those who have a sword and know how to use it, but sheep it shall inherit the earth. Uh, that's the real, yeah. that's the real translation. And somehow meek got changed over, over time. Yeah. Right. And so I think that thing that we need to understand that when, you know, these really high achieving alpha leaders also love and the same thing with warriors, but they're disciplined enough to hold back the whole excess within control thing I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that are, that are uh, game changers. Right. Right. You know, not just the tyrants, the sociopaths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's that quiet, calm confidence. Um, it's like, I think you and I have talked about this analogy. It's kind of like if you're in a bar, if you and I are in a bar, um, you know, the warrior, you know, the, the unprofessional, the, the poser uh, is going to come up and pose, puff his chest up, you know, and say, hey, I'm going to take you to a fight. The warrior is going to buy you a drink, you know, take care yeah. of you, love you. And when the timing's yeah. right, and if it's cut, when you're not looking, we'll bash your skull in, you know, with the bar <laughs> stool, right? Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. that it's that quiet, calm confidence, right? And, and only unsheathe the sword when you need to. And, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I love yeah. that. It's it's funny how we're having these parallel conversations on different sides of the I country. I know. I was really frustrated. I, I got from this coaching session and I was just like, are you kidding me? And I talked to my wife. I was like, I'm so frustrated because how can people not see that concept? Why why are they so resistant to this? Why are you arguing with me? I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's your choice. You can pick it. But how can you not see the benefits of loving or sacrificing so another may prosper? And um, I don't know. I think, I'll tell you what I think it is. What? What? It's hard and it's scary. Yeah, it makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You've got when when you really love your team, that means that you have to get vulnerable. Yeah, that's them. true. Well, that's why I told him. I said the, the currencies that is needed and so desperately needed in every every leadership corner is that authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. If you have those three things, which we all suck at, um, if but mm -hmm. if you can harness it and welcome it, man, that's where the richness comes in. That's where the the significance of life starts to form, you know, yeah. and, uh, I don't know. I love that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you on this. I, th I think that it, I think it's going to change over time though. It's going to be a bit of a, more of an evolution than a revolution. Yeah. Um, but I think the pace is going to pick up. The more women move into leadership roles in the country, I think the more it's going to change. Um, because I think what happened, like, let's think of the 70s and 80s when women were moving into leadership roles uh, in the corporate arena. They didn't really know how to act. You're Right. So they, so they acted like men. They're trying to be one of the boys. That's right. But now I think there is a, because, you know, some of, some women have charted the way and, and are very public about, I can think of like Neil Godfrey, for instance, who talks about this, that she didn't know how to act. She, the only people that she could emulate because there weren't women before her was mm -hmm. she, the only thing she knew was to act like a man, right? Which that, this is why you had the advent of the big shoulder pads back. Then. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, yeah. And, um, so that they looked bigger. Yeah. Uh, but now I think with people like Sarah Blakely and some of these other women, mm -hmm. um, who are maintaining their femininity, creating billion dollar companies, um, and are approaching business and leadership with love, I think you're going to start seeing it transform a little bit more. And the funny thing is, you know, studies have shown that the, I, I forget the exact numbers, 
but public companies who have about a third of their board members as women and then have women throughout the entire organization outperform their counterparts who don't have women or as many women on their boards or don't have women in leadership uh, um, uh, positions throughout the organization. I believe it. I mean, I think there's, there's something about having uh, that kind of energy in an organization. Um, you see productivity, loyalty, um, morale increase. I've worked with some great women over the years, some great women leaders. And I mean, like I said, sex didn't even become the issue. The gender didn't even become an issue, right? I mean, it was yeah. just because they were such a strong, confident force and they embraced who they were authentically. And uh, I think that's what everybody, regardless of your gender or sex, can can benefit from. You know, from that love piece, uh, like I, what kind of stops people in their tracks is when you were talking about uh, Christianity, but when you take that passage from first Corinthians 13, where it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does yeah. not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others, not self-seeking, yeah. not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, rejoices in the truth. Replace the word love with leadership. And that's the type of leader that I'd want to be. So yeah. you know what I mean? It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, never fails. That's, that's the type of leader that I want to be. That's in, in, good. in every aspect, right? At home, in business, yeah. and in life, with the risk taking, I don't want to have any regrets. I, I want to live life. I want to jump off the cliff and and see where it takes me. You know, and, yeah. and and to do that, you have to be under that love umbrella. You have to. I don't know. Well, you have to because you can't do it alone. You can't. You can't do it. By you yourself. cannot do it alone. That's that's the interesting thing. We were as humans. I just think we are built for community. Yep. This is not. We are we're not the lone wolf, you know, lone wolves don't last. Nope. They get devoured. You know, um, this is why lone wolves, they may leave the pack for a while or they may be banished from the pack, but they ultimately come back um, because they just can't survive. Right? right. And that's the same thing for leaders. We have to take this um, journey together. And um, I just know, and I haven't always been like this, you know, it, it's been a, a journey for me yeah. as well as it is probably for you and a lot of for sure your listeners. Um, because, you know, I just struggled for a long time and I didn't have a coach early enough in my business and professional career. So I made a lot of mistakes. I stumbled along, which is one of the reasons why I continue to speak and write and try to put new books out from time to time, um, to share the lessons that I've learned. And this thing about vulnerability and the leadership gap is a big one. It's big. Yeah. And I guess that's, you're right. And that's why I'm passionate about it too, because I wasn't the same way. I mean, it's certainly it, 10 years ago, I think you and I have talked about this. That's yeah. I almost got divorced because my, I almost wrecked my marriage because I was, I could certainly play the part of a leader, but I wasn't yeah. a leader behind the scenes. You know, yeah. I wasn't, yeah. I was doing right. things that, that I wasn't proud of and didn't want anybody to know, but, and I tried to do it all by myself. And it was yep. simple as that. And I was just wrought with insecurities thinking that I was the only one feeling this, you know, negative self-talk. And now I realize it's a hundred percent of the population <laughs> in every given day. Yeah. And that's a relief for me. And now, now I can be more empathetic to the kind of type A egotistical blowhard. And I know deep down that he's hurting inside, you know, yeah. and, and that's right where my brain goes now too. Mm -hmm. You know, I see somebody who's acting that way. I said, uh, well, you know, the, the, the old adage, hurt people, hurt people. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but thank goodness you were able to get on track because you know, my story, some of your listeners may have heard it before, but others have not, you know, I didn't, I wasn't so wise or lucky uh, early enough because I did burn through my marriage for that. Those exact reasons that you had described. Right. 
you know? And so it took me hitting bottom um, before I kind of kind of finally wised up. But yes. when I did that's when I did get vulnerable and started everything that I did from love first. I mean, yep. everything. That's what I approach it from. I really had to get intentional about getting the, the distrust, the anger, the, um, I don't know, the skepticism that I just had about people. I had to set that aside and start with everything from love first. It was like a rocket ride. Yep. It was total transformation, total transformation. I know what you mean. Oh man, I love talking with you, man. This is so much fun. Hey, you got a brand new book out here. I want to make sure we get this, this brand new book called Victory. I love the artwork, by the way, this kind of (laughs) throwback, uh, kind of World War II-ish looking almost. Soviet propaganda. Soviet propaganda. Right. Right. So the the artwork for the for the cover is kind of very intentional. You know, it's 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 inspired by this, you know, the former World War II era Soviet propaganda posters. Right. Um because this is really a book about capitalism. When you really dive into it, it's about capitalism. And the the letters in the word victory each stand for um a different what I believe when put together revolutionary strategy that entrepreneurs need in order to launch their business, elevate their impact and transform their life. So like V is for vision. You, you got to have a really strong vision and we can dive into any of these if you want. Sure. Uh, I is for Intel. Too many of us try to launch a business and we've never done the hard work to learn about the industry or the business or especially the competition. C is for coaching, how to find the right coach and how to coach your team members. T is for team. I took a lot of the stuff that I learned from my time in special forces where there are 12 people on a special forces, a team who are highly, highly effective. O is for operations and systems. R is for rapid action. Y is the most important element here. And that's you. you know, I'm a big believer that if you want to do great things, you got to be a great person. Right. But we wrap up the book by um, helping everybody go through a one-hour strategic planning session. And I use this with all of my coaching clients, and I hear it over and over again that when people go through this uh, strategic action plan, they do more strategic planning in that one hour than most businesses do, in some cases, ever for their business. I mean, you coach people. How many entrepreneurs really sit down and develop a real strategic plan? Hardly anybody, you know. Most of them are winging it. Yeah. They're just kind of going by what feels right a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But my favorite chapter in the book is one uh, that I call Freedom Road. And it's almost my call to action, my call to arms for this entrepreneurial revolution um, that capitalism and entrepreneurship tends to get a bad rap. Um, from a lot of people and we just don't talk about the good things, um, that that's going on and we can talk about that if you want. But, um, anyway, that, thanks for mentioning the book, but yeah, the, the launch of the book is February 20th oh, right uh, around the corner, yeah. of this year. And so it's funny. I, I looked on Amazon already in the pre-launch. We're already number two in entrepreneurship and we haven't even launched yet. That's great. So, I love to, to launch at number one. <laughs> so, yeah. What What was go. the genesis of the book? Why did Why now? Why did you want to write about entrepreneurship? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, we we kind of touched on it already. I think that it's entrepreneurship and capitalism that's going to save the world. Yeah. And the scary thing is, though, um, most Americans don't believe it. Most people around the world don't don't believe it. You know, when you really, um, when I kind of reflect at night, when I'm getting quiet, my own self, I just truly believe that 
um, it's entrepreneurship and capitalism that is going to increase the um, standard of living for the billions of people that are that are around the world. You know, back in I think it was 2009, there was a a research paper that was published in the um, the National Bureau of Economic Research um, that said that um, since 1970, I think it was, the number of people around the world that were living at starvation levels, which is like at a dollar a day or less, has declined by 80%. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. But we don't talk about it. We don't hear about it. We still think that there's this huge global starvation problem, and there's not. I mean, yes, people are starving, and one person starving is too much. But, you know, too often we as entrepreneurs and capitalists get called all kinds of nasty names, you know. But, you know, when, when you talk to people around the world about extreme poverty, they think that it's, you know, corporate greed and it's growing and you know, all kinds of things. But, you know, sadly, um, in 2016, I think it was, there was a poll done by Harvard where only 42% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 29 had a favorable, favorable view of capitalism. Yeah. Only 42%. And 33% of those people say that they supported socialism. Yeah. Well, they, that is scary. It is to scary me, to me. And I think, you know, and it, I think you and I, you know, we grew up in the Reagan eighties, you know, and we understood yes. that we understood what the fight of the cold war was. And of course, coming from, you know, from the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, and then kind of peaking with Reagan in the eighties. And it kind of yeah. really started to decline. And yeah. I think about that and I look at my oldest daughter who'll be turning 21 and she's heard me talk about, you know, capitalism and, and it seeps in, but there's still that kind of socialism undercurrent that's in their thought. And I, and I don't know if that's just part of being young, you know, because it sounds, socialism is so easy to sell, right? Because it sounds so easy and it sounds so great. Yeah. And, right. um, but yeah, the capitalism is, is what's changed. You know, the, the United States and the exceptionalism behind the United States is what has caused all of this unparalleled freedom. You know, right. and and we well, shouldn't freedom apologize. and innovation and innovation, creativity and advances in medicine, health, everything. Um, right, right. Yeah, I'm with you I on mean, that, man. I, I think it's it's scary to me too, and so it's it's interesting that that is kind of what's what's driving the book. And I applaud you for um, sitting down and cranking that out because that well, is the genesis of it. Because now it's not just a normal entrepreneurship leadership book. This is kind of getting to the heart of the free world, really. I mean, yes. I don't need to sound so you know, make it sound that grandiose, but really that's kind of why you started to write is what I heard. Yes. Yes. And th this is the reason because we need more entrepreneurs and not only do we need more entrepreneurs, we need successful entrepreneurs. You hear right. the stats over and over again about the number of businesses that fail within the first couple of years, right? Right. Well, part of it is they've not done these seven things that you and I, you and I, I don't know how many times I've been on your show. Is this the third time? But you and I talk pretty regularly, or right. for mm -hmm. one, we're talking pretty regularly about this, this, these types of things. Most entrepreneurs still don't aren't doing the basic blocking and tackling. Yeah. You know, like what? What's your big why? Mm -hmm. you know, What's going to make you cry? Right. You know, what is it that, what's going to drive your passion? You know, um, and too many people launch their business because they think that the public needs their product or service. All right. Well, if they need it, show me the intel. But people don't buy based on need, Richard. They buy, they buy based on want. Right. So little things like this. Um, so there's tips, tools, techniques, 
in here. There's action items. There's cool little sketches directly out of my daily journals that I do. Um, and um, it's not very, it's not a real uh, heavy wonkish book. It's, there's no fluff. You get right to the point. Um, now I wrote, th this is the second edition of this book. The first edition of it I wrote six years ago with a co-author. This is expanded by about 35 or 40%. But that one was, we wrote specifically for um, transitioning military members who are interested in oh, entrepreneurship. I see. Yeah. And so I changed it up because we are hearing so many good things. We saw, I don't know how many tens of thousands of copies of that book. Um, but we were hearing such good things about it. I thought, well, this, we got to, we got to ship this to the general entrepreneurship space. Um, and since it really worked in the veteran space, which by the way, your most of your readers or listeners won't know this veterans start businesses or did for a while there. I haven't seen the stats in the last couple of years, but for a while there veterans were starting businesses at a rate four times greater than the general population. Really? Wow. And according to corn Ferry, they had almost twice the success rate in entrepreneurship than, um, than their non-veteran counterparts. Corn Ferry showed that they had 1.8 times more likely to succeed than their non-veteran counterparts. And the number one indicator of success for the SBA is veteran status. Really? Yes. And so that doesn't mean that we all have to go enlist uh, in, the, in the military, but there are certainly best practices that, that these veteran entrepreneurs have that I've called down from interviewing hundreds of them and from my own experience and put them into this book. So that we can all do it. I love it. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think that uh, the fact that entrepreneurship, well, I, know, I was trying to think of the guy. I was, as you were talking, I was look, trying to look up his name, and I can't remember. I just, I need, I just interviewed him last week. How bad is that? I can't remember his name. It's up. <laughs> you're getting old. <laughs> I'm getting old. But we were talking about this this concept of of, uh, you know, he was working for uh, had a pretty high profile job for one of the I think WebMD it was. Mm -hmm. And he kind of had an epiphany and kind of said, you know, it's entrepreneurship, it's capitalism, it's this and that. But it's that capitalism with a purpose. And I think a lot of time where, where capitalism got its bad name was because of, you know, kind of the 80s Wall Street, you know, Gordon yeah. Gecko type. And but then he also flipped and said it kind of went the other way, too. It's like, oh, now it's all this kind of conscious capitalism where and he says that's really not what it's about or social capitalism, you know, but it's capitalism with a purpose. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. In, in this book, I mean, you've got to, mm -hmm. it's, you touched on it that, you know, people say, I'm going to create this new whiz bang widget. And you don't even know if the people want the widget and they yeah. spend all the time on the, the, the marketing and getting funding. That's the other thing I hear that a lot too, is like, it's all about getting the funding and, and it's like, well, it's, it's like, all about getting the funding. If that is your only agenda, right? And I just, which is wrong. I think that's sinful. I that's just my own personal opinion. I, I'm with right? you on that one, hundred percent. And that's why I think you see a lot of that in the, the kind of this, you know, what, that Silicon Valley is just was ripe with that, right? There's, I read an article yeah. about that and how that's just kind of, it's coming to fruition now. You know, it's like everybody's meeting their maker on that. But I think if yeah. you if you go at it with the idea of like, how can I add value to X and X can be this individual, this community. And that's what he was talking about. He says, he goes, this, this woman who never saw herself as an entrepreneur was on some somewhere and some traveling and said, and she saw some little girl who needed something and her mindset was, what can I do to help this little girl? 
And it was just always focused on that one little girl. Well, mm. that little girl became her vision, her passion, her mission, which translated into a want in a, in a larger scale. Does that make sense? I'm kind of cliff note yeah. version. It, but, yeah. does, but she went, she didn't go towards, here's this great widget is like, how can I add value to whatever her passion was? And so that's how I see it. It's like, how can I add value in this space to this community, to this world, to this person? And I think that's where a business can grow from. I think, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Listen, nothing happens without business. I'm sorry. Right. It just doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, you can do, listen, I was speaking at an event the other night, um, uh, Friday, Friday night. So a few days ago. <coughs> and so they did a Q and a afterwards and, uh, that Q and a probably went on for 45 minutes. And so the promoter at the end, end of the event said, okay, we can take one more question, but let's not make it so much about business. Let's make it about, is there anything personal to development? Is there something personal you want to ask, you know, Larry or, or the other folks up here? And so this guy raised his hand and said, you know, and he's probably in his late 20s. I'm really just conflicted about my life. I'm not doing what I'm passionate about. I'm working in this company and yeah, I'm making a living. But I've got this daughter, single dad kind of thing. But um, and so somebody had said, well, what do you want to do? And he said, well, I want to end world hunger. Bill Gates has done all these amazing things with his foundation. And I want to be like Bill Gates. And everybody, you know, there are probably four of us on the panel and some of the other panelists were like, you know, take them through these exercise, put your hand over your heart, imagine what people want for you, you know, mm -hmm. and finally I had to stop and say, ugh, ugh, <laughs> dude, reality is your friend. You have a daughter. <laughs> the best thing that you can do is create a life where you are breaking, because there are a lot of other details, but you got to break this poverty chain in your family. Right. And you've got to set a great, be a great role model for your daughter. That's number one. You can't, if you were single, yes, go to India, dig water wells, do whatever you want. But I think that we as a society have gotten so far away of accountability and personal responsibility to our families and to our communities. And what we don't realize is there's this ripple effect that we're just two steps away from reaching a billion people, right. literally. In our lifetime, Richard, the average person, you and I have larger spheres of influence because of what we do, because of platforms like this, but the average person impacts about a thousand people in their lifetime. Right. That's just one step away from a million. Yeah. Right. So if those, if you have a positive impact on those thousand people and then those thousand people go out and have a positive impact based on something that you did, when that million does the same thing. You're hitting a billion people. We have 7.4 billion people on this planet or planet or something like that. That is making a big dent, right? And so when we start thinking about that, our sphere of influence, that's not just positive things, but when we do something negative, it also amplifies as well. Then, then this whole personal responsibility thing comes in. And so what I said to this young man was, listen, don't judge your life where you are today by some superhero. And I think that Bill Gates is a superhero where he is in his life today. Compare your life today to where these people were when they were your age. Right. Bill Gates was not writing $100 million checks <laughs> right. you know, 40 years ago. Yeah. He just wasn't. Yeah. You know? And so I said, listen, in this business, how about taking a percentage or even a dollar amount or even a some sense on every transaction that you do in your business to help today. What are you doing today? Right. 
What are you doing today? Right. Too many of us, Richard, I think, just feel like because I'm not a millionaire today, I can't help anybody. You know, well, you a, can't. Go ahead. It's the whole ripple effect. Yeah, it's a great point. I'm so glad that you said that. It's almost like I, I equate it. I call it the um, is knowing your place, like the uh, focus on what you can affect today. It's yeah. kind of like and the story, the analogy I always gave was, you know, picture that, you know, second lieutenant sitting in a Higgins boat getting ready to, mm. you know, storm Normandy. Right? right. And, you know, he left his college sweetheart, you know, went left for England, you know, yeah. in 42 and was in England for 18 months, kind of working up to this big invasion. Never seen the kid that she got pregnant, you know, the night he left and mm -hmm. never saw this kid. He's been talking about the senior leaders talking about how the war is going to be over by Christmas. He's like, man, we need cold weather gear and they're not listening to him. And mm -hmm. he's thinking about how he's missing his wife, missing his, the kid he's never seen. He's thinking about dying. He's thinking about Hitler. He's thinking about how long it's going to take to get this war over with. And he's sitting in his boat thinking about all these things, right, that he can't control. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's missing the opportunity to motivate and inspire those 25 guys that are looking at him at that yeah. moment, right? And here's Jonesy yeah. with his shoes untied. Here's, you know, Schmitty looking nervous as hell. Yeah. Those the, he, He's got those opportunities, those obligations right there in that boat. And you yeah. may not think that those little interactions can help win the war, but I'm telling you, you study any kind of battle in D-Day, it wasn't won by Eisenhower and his grand plan. It was won nope. by that lieutenant and that staff NCO in that boat with four guys making sure shoes were tied and, and talking amongst themselves like, well, this wasn't in the plan. I guess we got to scale this cliff, you know? <laughs> and that's how... It, so it adds up, right? It's a compound effect. I don't know if that oh makes sense God. or if that yeah. if that ties into what you're saying, but yeah, I mean, I got chills listening to you talk about that. Um, so my father was a marine on on Iwo Jima, right? And which, for those who don't under you know don't know World War II history, uh, Iwo Jima and the battles in the South Pacific were nasty. Seventy two hundred Marines dead on that island. You know, 20, that's right. Twenty three twenty three thousand right. casualties. Yeah. And so very similar. So the lieutenant that was on his boat um, and that was in charge of his uh, platoon there, they didn't even zero their weapons, dude, before they before they deployed. Wow. They went they stormed that beach without even zeroing weapons <laughs> because that lieutenant was whining, complaining. Right. You know, he was more worried about himself than he was about his team. Yep. Thank goodness, you know, my father, you know, made it home or I wouldn't be here. Right. Right. I would have my children here, at least not in this life. Right. right? So it's very interesting. This is why I think that uh, the selfless leadership that you and I talk about oftentimes is servant leadership mm -hmm. is so vital. It's so vital. It is not about, hey, I'm on top and now I will be served. It's the higher up the pyramid I go, the more. I serve those that um, are in my team. Yeah. It's the higher up you go. It's the, the spotlight's bigger on you. And the more it becomes to me, it's to me, it's about communicating what it is you want to accomplish and why and that, that, and it has to come from an authentic, transparent, loving space. And um, yeah. I don't so know. True. I so love talking true. with you, Larry. This is so great. Yeah. I'm so excited for this um, book coming out. The launch is you yeah. said the 20th. The 20th. I'll be sending you a signed copy of it. Oh, I appreciate hey, that. Can I, can I plug it for a second? Absolutely. Hey, well, listen, I would love for folks to go and help me make this thing a bestseller, a New York or a you know, number one bestseller. And um, here's what I'm going to do. If they go to Larry's new book.com, 
larrysnewbook.com. Um, you can get a pre-order on the Kindle for just 99 cents. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, but with that, what you're going to end up getting um, is a three-part webinar series. There's no selling in the webinar. It's just there's a lot of stuff I wanted to get into the book but just couldn't. And so I'm doing a webinar series to dive a little bit deeper into some of the concepts. Um, and uh, you'll get that when you order the, um, the pre-launch. And then after February 20th, the price of the Kindle goes up. Now, on the 20th, if you want to just go to Amazon and buy either the hardcover, the softcover, or the Kindle, you can do that as well. You won't get the three-part video series. But if you do this now, before the 20th, you'll get the video series and the Kindle version for 99 cents. All right. I see that. I'll put the link right on the post, but it's larrysnewbook.com. And at the top, I'm looking at it right here. It says pre-order now for 99 cents. I can click there. I can get this for 99 cents. I can get the three kind of bonus uh, videos or webinars that has additional content uh, for yeah. free. And those. Okay, cool. So I'll have that in there. So I appreciate thanks. that. Yeah, thanks, Richard. All right, Larry, as always, great to talk with you. Um, yeah. You're one of my favorite conversationalists. And um, I look forward to, to, to having another one of these. And, and I wish you much success on the launch of this book. Thanks for coming right. on the show. Thanks very much, brother. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to legacyleaderblueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.